Good morning. Well, I welcome you to uh, the second part of our series on Jonah this week. I will confess that I'm having to do this off of my cell phone because I couldn't get the sermon to print, which is a normal comedy of errors for me when it comes to things like this. Uh, I appreciate those who helped me try to get the sermon to print, but I think I can read it, so I think we're going to be okay. What I left out of last week's sermon was that I accidentally didn't save it. Uh, About 4.30 on Saturday, my computer died while I was typing the last paragraph, and so I rewrote the whole thing again Saturday night. So I've gotten to the point where I just don't worry about it anymore. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So I just hope that old fish will swallow us up either way. So uh, I do thank you for being here. It's been a joy uh, to have this three weeks and um, so grateful for the opportunity to be with you. Um, Let's listen to what we have to hear from Jonah in the second chapter today. Um, So let's listen to Jonah's prayer offered up. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord, his God, from the stomach of the fish, and he said, I called out of my distress to the Lord, and he answered me. I cried for help from the depth of Sheol. Thou didst hear my voice, for thou hast cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the current engulfed me. All thy breakers and billows passed over me. So I said, I have been expelled from thy sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward the holy temple. Water encompassed me to the point of death. The great deep engulfed me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I descended to the roots of the mountains. The earth with its bars was around me forever. But you brought me up from the pit, O Lord my God. While I was fainting away, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer came to thee into the holy temple. Those who regard vain idols forsake their faithfulness. But I will sacrifice to thee with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Precious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of these dear hearts be acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So when we left Jonah last week, he had been swallowed up by a big fish. And before being swallowed up, he was thrown overboard, presumably to his death. And all this was done, as we could tell, at his request. He basically said, look, I messed this thing up. I've been running from God. Throw me overboard. And and we talked about how at this point for him to say that, he must have been so desperate that he was saying, I'd rather die in the ocean than have to go back to all this stuff that I've run from. And after running, Jonah finally offers up a confession. Toss me overboard and this storm will end. And then he's left to die in those horrible waters. The only drama left for us as we 
leave last week's story, if we leave just before the fish is, will he drown? Will he be struck by lightning in the water? Will a sea creature tear him to shreds? There was no room left in the gospel at that time with what people knew of someone going overboard on a ship to believe that that was something that could be survived. So all that was left was the ending. I wonder for us, do you know what it feels like to be tossed overboard? To feel that God has asked you to do the impossible and you find yourself desperately clinging to life. Have you ever been in those waters? Sometimes you float. Maybe sometimes you swim for shore. Or maybe you just seek to keep your head above water for as long as possible until finally just about giving in. Whatever the method, you, I am sure, have been tossed overboard. You know what it is to be in these same waters that Jonah is in. Our faith does not leave us immune from these things as much as we wish that it would. Having difficulties, I'm sorry. I'm overboard right now. <laughs> you know what it's like to be clinging there overboard. Our faith does not make us immune to this. Preaching and going to seminary doesn't make us immune to the pitfalls of faith and of life and of life that gets difficult. In fact, it may not leave us any less likely to being tossed into the sea. After all, it is faith faith that got Jonah into this mess. That's something to always remember. It's actually because of Jonah's faith that he's overboard in the first place. God called him to do a job because of his faith, but Jonah is not up to the task. And now he's just left there trying to survive, or even, maybe not even trying anymore, because when we left Jonah, it seemed like he had kind of given up, simply left there to die. Where have you been overboard? Left lingering in a sea of faith and doubt. You ever heard the word cancer? Not just as a science, but as a diagnosis. Maybe it was your ailment or it was for someone you loved. You were tossed to a place where you were just surviving. Some days you can float by or even swim toward a hopeful destination, but others, you just try to keep your head above the water. And there are moments when God has simply asked too much. And maybe you just hope the end comes soon. It's just hell, or Sheol, as Jonah names it here, as do other prophets. That space where even our health makes us feel overboard. As someone you love, someone that maybe you loved intimately and that you shared vows with, ever said that they just cannot stay with you on the ship anymore? One second you're hiding on a ship, the next second you're fighting to breathe. You thought God was in those vows too. And it's so personal. And you think, how, God, did we get here? Overboard. Remember that rejection for that job you dreamed was yours or worse when you got that last check because you were not wanted anymore? God tells you that you need to use your gifts, but you are just there to drown in them. What is life worth if no one wants you to live it in the way that you're called? And so you're just left there dangling, dangling dreams deferred overboard. You know, memory is a hard thing. 
especially when it's gone from us, how in the world could God expect us to care for someone we love when the person does not even know who they are anymore? God says, remember me at this table, and sometimes that only reminds us of what happened to someone we care dearly for. Because what do we do when someone cannot even remember us anymore? And we look into their vacant eyes day after day, and you do not even want to paddle any longer. You would kind of think maybe God just needs to end it, and you're tired of swimming in those waters, and you're just overboard. What about when life ends too soon? A teenager or even a child takes a final breath, and all that love we wanted to give them is gone. Or the hopes of a family are miscarried and a couple is just left with broken dreams. You're no longer swimming but just taking on water. It burns in your lungs and you are left overboard. When the kids come home and you have no answers for their pain. When a parent passes another judgment that you cannot handle. When someone says that your faith has not made you well, try harder. When you're tired of running away, but the storm is just too great, and all you have left to give is a confession, and so, like Jonah, you find yourself overboard. There is no theology, no ritual, no denomination, no magic pill, no self-righteousness that keeps us from being thrown overboard. There's no scripture, no communion, no hymn I can give you to say this will protect you from being in these waters because these waters are the very place where usually we come to believe that actually this story might be true. We can get there running away just like Jonah. We can get there being as faithful as Job. We can be there following Christ all the way to the cross just as his disciples did. And we can be there throwing stones like Paul until we go blind. We spend so much time in our world trying to avoid being thrown overboard that often we flee the ship before we can even do what God wants us to do. We choose to believe that all sorts of things are going to save us. Some of them are good for us and some cause harm, but none of them will save us. The largest, safest ship in all of the earth can be sunk And so in faith, we are just left to keep swimming. This great big fish comes along. Suddenly, in the midst of all that, when we think that there's no future, this whale comes along and it swallows us up. And last week we talked about how that is God's grace. And then this week we look at how Jonah responds. Because often... When we do get swallowed up, it's not the dreamy way that we hope for. It's just enough to keep us going a little bit longer. Not in some pleasant way like a good movie coming to end, but it's often ugly and gross. It's radiation. It's days and days of salty tears with a friend. It could be the birth of a healthy child. It could be a job that is not so much a dream, but it starts you dreaming again. It could be a simple conversation with a friend that gives you hope. Or it could be knowing your kids have a place to go to church, even when you don't know where you're supposed to be in the world. Whatever it is, God comes in the midst of the drowning and swallows us up into some nasty, salivated goop of a belly. 
And it remains dark, but you can breathe. You're not swimming, but you're not walking either. You're not starving, but you surely are not full. You're not yet living, but you're also not quite dying. You have not been spit out into the light yet, and you were asked to pray. Imagine that it's you in that well, in that time, after all that you've gone through, and you're asked to pray. What do you pray for? My prayer would not sound like Jonah's. I think my prayer would be, get me out of this. Set me free from this burden. Now remember, Jonah doesn't leave the fish until he offers this prayer. And he's in the fish for three days. So for two and a half days, we don't know what the conversation was. It may have been more like the one that we can imagine before he got to a space where he could say thank you. So I'll leave that open for us to understand. But eventually, whatever it is in the mess of his life, whatever it is, he eventually turns and he says something different. He says to God, thank you. Right in the middle of this messy darkness, Jonah finds some way to reach down into all of that dark and say, thank you. And that is so much more remarkable than being swallowed by a fish because we know how hard that thank you has to be. Thanksgiving does not wait until Jonah is back on the beach. That's when we usually say thank you, when we're back on the beach, when we're back in a space where we have this beautiful sunrise and we have something that we go, ah, yes, God has to be here. But Jonah hasn't seen that part yet. He doesn't wait. He just stays there trapped in the belly and he says, thank you. Not just for the fish. He says thank you for all of it. All of the journey that he had just been through, he says, thank you. Why does he say that? Because it just makes me want to run away again. Jonah, please say something else. I, I, I don't really want to be thankful until I'm filled up. Jonah seems closer to empty than full, but he says, thank you. My friends, we are, we are never overboard for long, if at all. God is always waiting there to scoop us up as a mother longs to care for a sick child. God actually is there. Sometimes we may not even know that it's a fish that swallowed us. All we know is it's dark and it's gross and it's ugly, and God is already there before we realize what it is that's going on, which we imagine has to be where Jonah was. And then suddenly he figures it out. In your darkness, God has swallowed you up, and somehow we are called to have the courage to have just enough faith while stuck in the belly of this well to say, thank you. And there's something about that which fills us up. And it fills us up all of us. It fills up all around us. It actually changes the way that we function. And you can imagine Jonah offering up this prayer and the words bounce off the caverns of that fish, all over that little sanctuary that he now has. And the belly begins to be filled up. And the words are like a consuming fire, like the Holy Spirit blowing through. And Jonah says, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then the belly bursts open. And Jonah spews out right there on the dry land. That's when the belly opens up, when he's finally in his fullness of his gratitude the belly can't take it anymore and it just spits Jonah out there on the dry land. 
And there are things still for Jonah to do, and he's going to mess all this stuff up again before we're done with him. And he's going to fall short of what much of what God has promised. But in this moment, on this day, despite all that he has been through, wrong or right, God saves Jonah before he even knows he's saved. And in the midst of that mess, Jonah says, thank you. And he keeps saying it until the belly of the whale is full with gratitude. And certainly his must be too. In this month intended for giving thanks, let us take time to share with Jonah and give thanks not only for our abundance, but for our ability to be still in places like this with people who care about us, who love us. And to give thanks not only for our abundance, but also for our darkness, for our hurt. Because it might very well be the same place that God has swallowed us. Even when we're still in the dark, we still know that God scoops us up. God did it from the very beginning. He spoke us into being and swallows us up even when we run away. And now it's on us. It's on you and me to be grateful all the way to the end, even in the hardest and the ugliest darkness. Because when we're overboard, saying thank you to God is all that easy. And it is all that hard. To God be the glory now and forever. Amen.